Welcome to the healing arts of being you. Today we introduce to you Dr. Andrea Madison, a physical therapist who has dedicated her career to helping people of all ages and neurodivergencies to achieve freedom within and autonomy over their bodies. Through her seven years as a doctorate of physical therapy, she has developed a deep understanding of the unique challenges faced by children and parents of those on and off the spectrum and uses a variety of incredibly powerful techniques and modalities to support her clients and guide them towards a better quality of life. Without further ado, here are your hosts, Chelsea and Allison. Welcome to the Healing Art of Being You podcast. Today we have a very special friend with us, Andrea Mattison from Minnesota. Super excited to chat with her and hear all about her world and what she does, the magic that she really, really cultivates with her clients, both children and parents alike. Would you like to introduce yourself and give us a little bit of a background about who you are and what you do and what your magic is? Sure, sure, sure. Uh, first off, thanks for having me. And second off, yeah, I'm Andrea Madison from Minnesota. Um, I work at Children's Theraplay and also own my own business called Wellness for Play. Um, Children's Theraplay has been a huge monumental um, career shift for me because um, we really focus on trauma-informed care as well as manual therapy for these kiddos. Um, the two different um, what's it called? Manual therapy techniques that we do is called facilitation of joint movement, which is founded by Kelly Roberts Lane here in Minnesota. And um, the other one's called fascial counter strain, which is Brian Tukey's work. Um, and both together are just, it's absolutely incredible and amazing. Um, we treat all different types of kids. Um, any, honestly, anyone on the spectrum to foster care to um, kids that have constipation issues, um, ADHD, anything you can kind of think of, any of the genetic syndromes, um, they can usually come through our doors. Um, and then for my own company, I like to treat kind of like the adults. <laughs> um, I do see kids, but I, I like to have the equipment of the, of the clinic because we have lots of swings, like 20 to 30 different swings. It's so much fun. Um, and so with the adults, it's, I've treated, well, in my own clinic, like anyone that's a week old to 90 some years old. And um, I again use both techniques and it's really, really cool. And it's super fun to see how fast the change happens. I like to see people only for like one to two sessions. Um, and then maybe then follow up within the next few months um, type thing. So that's like how my practice works. <laughs> so yeah. That's, That's incredible. About... Can you tell us a little bit about those um, modalities? I'm super interested. Yeah, so uh, facilitation of joint movement. And I really have to give props to Kelly Ray Lane Roberts. She's from Fix-It Physical Therapy. She is here in Minnesota. She's developed this um, from learning from different gurus um, of manual therapy. And it's super cool. It's like a roll and slide on the joint. Um, and it's treating the mechanical joint dysfunction, which is a secondary muscle spasm, joint irritation, and false weakness. From there, um, we just make sure that like the whole system's working, as well as like the at the joint level. And then the fascial counter strain, you kind of set the person up in a in a what's it called? Oh, words. Words are um, hard. Yeah, words are hard, especially on a Friday. Um, <laughs> in a point of like in a point of ease. So like, so your fascia has these peaks and valleys, I like to call them. And we, the pain or the discomforts at the peak, and I want to find that valley. And then you set them back up to the peak. Um, you, you treat them in that valley. And so that peak then goes away. You're just draining the fascia. So if you like, I've now used both, both of them hand in hand. Um, some people just use one or the other, which is just fine. It's just kind of the groove that I like to have. So nice. yeah. So can you, because like, as a PT, I, I understand kind of what you're saying, but I feel like we talk PT talk and that doesn't make a ton of sense to people sometimes. Um, with that, could you give us an example of like somebody, like what a kiddo might look like walking in and like what it would look like and what they look like when they leave? 
Yeah, we always do a single um, leg balance test. So just standing on one leg. And they usually come in not being able to hold it for even three to five seconds. Um, or they have a lot of compensation. So they're like moving around and they're like, their hips are dropping. Um, they have like greater than 20% deviation within their lateral trunk, which just basically means they leaned over. Um, and then once we've treated them, they can hold that single leg stance for 30 to 45 seconds. And is that a change you're seeing within like a single session? Is that something that you're seeing like over multiple sessions? What does that look like? It's within the same session and Whoa. it's during the eval. Yeah. And it's pretty cool. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, so yeah, we like, it's so like I always make sure the parents feel and touch everything as well as when I'm feeling and touching it too, just to make sure that we're all on the same page. Um, and I, this one example, this one kiddo comes in, she would not even really go into our big gym. Our big gym has like stairs. It used to have a zip line with this girl had a zip line. Um, a Lycra sheets, which is basically like hammocks that are squishy and like you can bounce in them. Um, swings and a BOSU ball and a balance beam. I mean, like all this fun stuff. And she <laughs> comes in, she does not touch a single thing. Her anxiety is through the roof. Um, she doesn't even want to run down the hallway. I always just check for running. She's definitely not standing on one leg. Just, she doesn't even know where her feet are essentially. And um, after I treated her, she went on the BOSU ball. She walked across the balance beam. She's going up and down the stairs. She's jumping in the Lycra. It was amazing. Simply amazing. Like she went from like a little cocooned little thing to this blossoming butterfly within 15 minutes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so, okay. I need to like rewind this a little bit because yeah, yeah, we need to, we well, need to pull this back a little second. Way too casual. Yeah. I'm just I'm so changing lives in 15 minutes. It's no big deal. It's fine, guys. Um, She's like, why are you looking at me like that? <laughs> so, okay. This particular little girl, what was yeah. her, like, what was her reason for be, for coming in? Was there, do you, first of all, do you guys take referrals from physicians or do people can just come walk off the street? What's that look like? Oh, okay. you can, uh, physician referral or you can come in off the street. Doesn't okay. matter. So this girl comes into you, like her parents bring her, for what reason? Was she experiencing pain or was she one of the constipated kids or, or a neurological condition or what was the issue? Um, clumsy. Just clumsy. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's, that's she would trip and fall. Yeah. Trip and fall oh. a lot. She would like um, run into doors. Okay. And so within her body, what is it that you were finding? Like what did you usually? So, um, my favorite quote from Peter um, Levine is trauma stored in your biology, not your psychology. Right. And so, um, kids, in my opinion, and I have not found research on this, but this is through my seven years of practice is that kids store their trauma in their hips. And so once their hips get locked up, they don't have that rotation anymore, which then rotation is gone. And then you have a decrease in balance, decrease in coordination, decrease in finding where your body is within the environment. And so then we add that rotation back in. Usually it's kind of, I mean, what you'd find on an adult, um, you know, you check their ASIs, they're kind of off. Um, and then you treat their lumbosacral. And actually we treat usually the whole, whole spine because what we've learned over time is that um, it affects everything. It's a, just a building block. And so we treat them and there they go. So pretty cool. is it something that they like then have to, I know my, my mind is blown right now. Um, <laughs> is there, is this something incredible. that they have to like continue? Like you send them home with like hip mobility stretching or you're teaching parents and stuff, or is it like, yeah, you're good. We'll see you never. Um, so, so kind of, um, no to the, that we send them home with hip mobility and stretching type things. Um, once the nervous system has changed um, and their tissue pliability has sustained, we don't need to, their, their nervous system's gonna go in the most efficient pattern possible. And so we don't need to provide that. Um, but we do provide things like coordination and strengthening and stuff like that. Um, and then I wish that was as fast and said and done 
but we don't want to send these kids without actually developing those skills. Like, yeah, they went and went and did it, but they don't have that foundational work. So um, the manual therapy part is just one small portion of their full treatment plan. Now, if it's an adult at my clinic, um, when they come to my house, which I do see a lot of my kids' parents. What started that for you? How did you recognize that there was a need within the parent, not just the child? So for physical therapy-wise, um, it was my, the parents kept asking at the evaluation, can I, like, when, where can I get this done or where can I, uh, what can I do? And um, I would refer them out to other clinics, but then they just were like, you, I want to see you. And so that's where it started from. Um, also, my coworkers wanted to see me as well. So that's, that's where it started. And then... I now am also a coach, and I would, I like call myself a resilience coach, um, and it's because so the kids with all this trauma in their past, like I've seen kids that have witnessed like murders and um, are in the foster care system, and then go back to their parents and then come back to the foster care system. And they go, you know, like they just have a really really rough life, and it's very, um, it's very hard at times, and. So once I started coaching these parents a little bit more and not on their kid, I was like coaching for PT wise and like making them better, but I wasn't coaching the parent on themselves. I was just always like hitting this like hard wall. Um, and I wouldn't see the, I, I would see progress, but I wasn't seeing like fast and like really, um, like just like faster progress. And so I started coaching the parents just on themselves rather than the, their kid. And um, the progress was huge within like weeks. It was awesome. So um, that's where my coaching, coaching comes into play. What kind of stuff are you coaching the parents on? Is it like their own boundary setting and their own like um, making sure that they are like having conversations with their kids about what's going on or what is it that you're coaching them on? I would say actually more of their identity and pulling them back to themselves and grounding them within their new roles. And then once they have that self-awareness of what's going on within them and understanding their own reality and how they can shape it when they want to, like their emotions are not, like they can control their emotions um, rather than their emotions control them. Um, and once they kind of get that, grounding feeling and feeling like, yeah, I'm, I'm back in the, in the leading role here. My child's not leading me. I'm lead. I'm the leader. Um, then we actually work with the, I work with the client to kind of see what their kid is like, um, kind of see what I see through a PT's eyes. Um, what is their kid responding to their environment and what's kind of their triggers? So then the whole entire house is then downregulated. So in other words, it's just a calmer, more, flowy system um, rather than this heightened state of chaos. Awesome. That's really awesome. So quick question then, when you're talking to, when you're talking about the kids hold a lot of trauma in their hips and you're working on that, are you talking to them about what's going on or is it all just like I'm feeling their body and I'm going with what I'm, what their body is telling me? Are you trying to integrate the two sides or is it just like, nope, I just feel what I feel and I treat that? I feel what I feel and I treat that. Um, when I've added um, words into it, it could be too much of like flooding for them. Um, and I'm, I don't have a psychology background, so I stay clear from that. Um, and then it, if something does come out, because a lot of times movement and new motion does have a lot of words and play and things like that, um, that we do see, we do, um, consult with their psychologists. So, yeah. And the kid doesn't really, let's go back. The kid doesn't really always know where their hips are. <laughs> so we, we have to like, we, we kind of do a, a screen of what, where their body parts are. And, um, someone one time, um, said that their elbow is a shark top. <laughs> I don't even know what a shark top is, but that's pretty cute. That's fresh. That's really adorable. So, yeah. Water goggles. 
the water glasses. I know <laughs> the water glasses. Yeah. We, um, we were talking about how we don't know why adults come up with words. Children should be the only ones allowed to name anything because they just have the best, most descriptive things ever. So my oldest, when he was younger, was very upset because he could not find his water glasses. And I did not know what he was talking about. And then when he found them, he was like, oh, my water glasses. And they were his goggles. And I was like, of course those are water glasses. That's exactly what those are. <laughs> like, it's perfect name for that. Yeah. Why, why do we call them goggles? It's almost like Google. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, what, what is a goggle? Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So water glasses, that's what they should be. Yeah. Exactly. Shark tops. It's probably like a fish. Shark tops. Then. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. The top of the shark. Makes sense. Yeah. Makes perfect sense. <laughs> So, okay, you're seeing kids across the entire spectrum of anything that's basically anything. like they're just not living as good of a life as they could, basically. Yeah, I like to also describe it as like the kids in your PE class that you just kind of are like, oh, what's what's going on? Um, they, those are those kids, too. Um, yeah, because here in Minnesota, we have some really, really awesome pediatric clinics and so um, everyone kind of takes their little spot and we kind of have this like trauma-informed care spot. So, but there's really great clinics all over the place. It's pretty cool. That's really awesome. So talk to me a little bit about the, the constipation side of things. Like oh, what are you guys doing for that? Like, cause there's so many parents out there we're dealing with kids who are bedwetting because they're constipated or they're withholding because they're scared to go to the bathroom and like all that kind of stuff. Like when would you see somebody for constipation? Like at what age would you at any point in time, like even babies? And if so, like, what does that even look like for you? Um, so yeah, I've seen babies to, oh gosh, I don't even know, probably like 16 years old for constipation. Um, and what it looks like is really trying to understand, and this is funny talking to you as a pelvic floor therapist, because you probably could be like, oh, you actually probably should try this, which I'll pick your brain about. Um, That's what's happening right now. But we kind of right like now. take it from the, go ahead. Oh, for sure. I'm like, so tell me more about this constipation. Yeah, she's like, I have children. <laughs> what can you teach me? Um, <laughs> Well, hopefully I can teach you something. Um, so anyways, they come in and we do our typical eval, including the manual therapy part, which is a huge part. And again, st trauma stored in your biology, not your psychology. So the hips um, can have that muscle spasm. And our body doesn't tell us if it's going to be a skeletal muscle or if it's going to be a smooth muscle. So your GI system. So is it going to get your muscles you move with or your GI? I don't know. And so um, typically, if it's just that, within an hour after treatment, they're going to the bathroom. Um, and then if it's like a big, bigger buildup type thing, um, we have to kind of figure out what, what is their trigger to not go? Or what is their trigger that they just, like something happened? And I will say most of the time, it's potty training too soon when the kid's not ready. Um, and we, it can stem back, even if a seven-year-old I can stem back all the way to when they were potty training and that is then was the trigger. Um, and so if they're, I mean, because we're talking about a huge span here, if they're like more of the potty training age and the toddler age, sometimes it's moving their potty into the playroom where they, um, where they like to go in their diaper or it's actually introducing them to their poop and so having them look at it because that's kind of a scary thing. All of a sudden there's like things dropping out of your bottom. And you, see, you know, and they don't know what it looks like because usually we just wrap it up. Um, so it's kind of like learning about their poop and then talking about what size it is. I like to use the Bristol stool chart <laughs> um, and kind of just getting them to like and love their body. Very interesting. For the toddler age. So if it's somebody yeah. who's older, what is that looking like? Like how are you... Is it more just the manual therapy stuff and it just kind of opens things up for them or are there like habits that you have to coach them through? Yeah, we have to go through, we, well, we also look at their feeding um, and how much, what, what's their diet like? 
um, and our OTs take care of the feeding aspect um, of that. And then it's usually also a big anxiety, like it's around anxiety as well. And so it's not anxiety with like really going to the bathroom, but anxiety throughout like general through their life. Um, and so they then don't have coordination, they don't have balance, they don't have the strength, they don't have mid-range control. So essentially doing a squat and stopping halfway, they just like drop down all the way. So they just don't have that the control. And then they don't have the internal external pressures within their system as well because they kind of are just like moving through um, life through momentum rather than with control. Um, so we then um, help them with all of that. And usually over time, that one takes a lot longer because they're older and they've had m more years and understanding. And usually they've been on some sort of like Miralax um, type thing, um, which then we have to rebuild their gut, which then I refer out. I don't rebuild their gut. I do the PT. <laughs> but it's a whole... It's a whole team and a very holistic approach. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Chelsea, I know you had a question. No, I'm just in awe over here. Okay. <laughs> With my pen up and just ruining all the signs. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So do you then have to circle back with these kids, these kids who have patterns in place where they've been moving a certain way for a certain period of time based on the trauma that they've had that was locked kind of up in their pelvis and their hips. You've kind of worked on that that first day. Now they like have this whole available range of motion that like now they have to learn how to control basically. Do you have to kind of circle back to the manual therapy every now and then or every time you see them? Yeah. Okay. So we always check. Um, so our kids come to us once a week. Um, that's kind of usually our frequency. If we see something different, we of course do something different, but we kind of like this once a week type, uh, frequency. Um, and yeah, we'll circle back. We check it, uh, see if they need it. We only, we only treat if it's indicated, of course. So yeah. Very interesting. Some of these kids can take years just so you know. Okay. Yeah. Um, but my adults are the ones that I like to treat for one or two sessions. Yeah. Gosh, my mind is just blown right now. Sorry. I it's just like, I feel like I'm, I feel like if you were to look at me, you can like see like the com computation happening in my brain of like, okay, okay, okay. Got it. Got it. Got it. Just, it's so interesting. It's so interesting. And I will say like, Pete's is not my favorite population. I generally will refer out for peds and the only peds I generally tend to take are the ones that are like kiddos of my current patients who are like, we'd rather just stay here. Kind of the reverse order of what you're doing. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. So peds is a place where I'm still like very much learning in that world because I feel like peds are very different than adults. Like they are not just like small adults. They have their own, stuff going on there. It's very interesting stuff. So talk to me a little bit about the coaching. I'd love to move into that a little bit. Like talk to me a little bit about like, what are you doing with these parents or with these adults? I'm letting them take control of their life. What, give me like an idea of like, what would somebody like, what's the kind of stuff that somebody who comes to see you, like, what's the kind of stuff that they're saying? Why would somebody come and see you? What is it that you are helping them with? Um, usually they're exhausted. They feel like when their kids talk to them, they're just a brick wall and they're just not processing or they are like having so much fun, but they're missing the details and they want to see the details again. Um, life is too fast. Um, or they're just really tired and like can't get off the bed. So like one of like two main examples, like one of them, she was like, I just can't even look at my to-do list because it's too long. And I can't even help my kids get into, like, go to school. And she has um, middle schoolers. Um, I'm just so tired in the morning. Like, it is a chore to wake up. And within one session, she, um, on Friday, she, <laughs> it was like, a, she, like, made, like, pancakes for her kids with special sprinkles. And after school took them to an apple orchard to go apple picking and then made some apple dish. 
I was like, what? That's incredible. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely incredible. And then this other mom I'm thinking of, she didn't bring her child to a store for many, many, many years because of potential meltdown. It was always very stressful. Um, it was just, I mean, it was just easier. And I don't blame her. It was easier. Um, and within, uh, well, I didn't see her for two weeks. So within those two weeks, um, she brought her kid to a store and it was success. Nice. So no meltdown, no nothing. Yeah. So, cause I actually, I've heard that complaint a lot of times with my patients where they're like, I just, I can't even, I will, I won't even go run an errand with the kids because it's just, I have like one baby in the carrier in the, you know, uh, cart and I'm football carrying the toddler through the store while they're trying to grab things off the shelves and they're screaming. People think that I'm like abusing my children. Like I just, I can't do it, you know? So yeah. can you tell us a little bit about like, what, what was the advice that you were giving to that woman who was like, I'm not taking my kids out? Like, what did that look like? Um, it was kind of putting her nervous system. And so co-regulation co is huge. So um, we have these things in our whole body. It's called mirror neurons, um, in our whole body, in our head, um, called mirror, mirror neurons. And basically they just feed off of different states that and like learn from other things too. And so um, when she actually downregulated, so she made herself more grounded and more calm and like open to the experience and set her energy. So here we go with the energy stuff. I do energy. I don't do Chelsea energy work, which I would love to eventually, but we do talk about energy levels. So if she's, she is at this openness type energy, and then um, her kid will kind of follow suit. And if they set a plan, um, we're gonna go do X, Y, Z, or if it's just X, like you gotta make small wins. And actually one of my clients, um, she stated it beautifully. And I don't even know if I'm gonna be able to re like restate this, but we were talking about like small wins over time is a big win. And sometimes if we jump too far in the beginning, we don't have the foundation. So that, that jump like doesn't, like it does, it doesn't sustain. And so she said, small progress is large in the future. I wish I said it's, she said it way nicer than that, but it was like small progress. It was like one short little simple thing. And I'm like, yes, that's exactly it. So this mom went to Target and they were only going in for one thing. That was their plan. They're gonna go get it and leave essentially. They went in and they got it. And then she was like, well, I guess we could get something else too. And then they left. So yes, it wasn't like a huge full blown list, shopping list, but they did it. There was no meltdown and everyone celebrated. The entire family celebrated. So that's awesome. Do you think that the celebration component is important from a neurological standpoint to kind of help that feedback loop? Oh, absolutely. You got to celebrate the wins. Yeah. And that's why my company is called Wellness for Play. And it's because play, well, as adults, and my company is kind of more geared towards the adult side, we forget to play. We're not playing anymore. And I like, there's actually like little research on play in adults and it's it's up and coming but it's there's only a little um and so i really would like to bring play back into the adult life too um because we're so focused on our kids and so focused on their upbringing which is great but they're gonna do even better if we're having just as much as fun as they are how do you talk to your parents about like when you're like we need to get you to play more and they're like great one more thing to do awesome like, how do you have that conversation with them to be able to find joy in that versus obligation? Um, I talked to them about their childhood and figuring out what play they used to do and what play they miss. And so um, one of my gals went and climbed a tree the other day. <laughs> she missed climbing trees. So she woke up. She usually wakes up for a morning workout and at the end of her workout went outside and climbed a tree. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. I don't even think I have a tree in my yard that would be stable enough for me to climb. <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> I've got like puny little neighborhood trees. 
I grew up in the country. Well, it was the country. Now the city has moved towards it. But I grew up in the country at the time. And we had like a big line of like woods behind us where, you know, like foxes and deer and wolves and all that kind of stuff would live real wildlife. I could go climb one of those trees um, if I could get through all the brambles and brush and poison ivy to get to one of them. <laughs> but not at home. <laughs> We have trees in our front yard. Actually, every house has a tree in its front yard in our neighborhood, but it's covered in spiders, so there will be no tree climbing there. Thank you. <laughs> no. Yesterday, I went on my uh, neighbor's trampoline because I was like, I just really want to go on a trampoline. Yes. <laughs> and they have one of those big ones. Oh, so I'm jealous. That was really fun. I want a trampoline. I was literally just about to jump on Maria's before we started filming. Yeah. Chelsea was like, I'm just like really amped up right now. I need like, where's the trampoline? <laughs> I just like need to get the energy out. I was so, just so excited. Yeah. So question for you, the manual therapy stuff that you do, you mentioned that you use it for kids with ADHD. Do you use it for like, which nobody, I don't know anybody who would be like, oh, I'm going to take my kid to PT because they have ADHD, you know, like that is not something that tracks most of the time. Um, what does that look like? Like, how are you, how are you doing that? Yeah. Um, so it's actually kind of funny because we, one of our physicians is sending a lot of their, their she's um, hyperactive kids. Um, and it's because they're, it's, they're having a hard time focusing in school, of course, because they have ADHD. Um, and so then school is seeing, like, it's just like a ripple effect um, type thing. And so they come in, and sometimes ADHD kids actually can focus. They just aren't focusing like you think they're focusing on. Um, so it really just kind of depends on the kid. But most of the time, those kids that we eventually do see, um, their balance and coordination is real off. Like, they can't motor plan, which motor planning is... Um, Seeing that there's like a problem, like, like how do I get from point A to point B, um, like figuring out how to do the problem, and then if you can't do that problem, or then doing the problem, like getting yourself, like the floor is lava, you get yourself to the other point. Um, but if that system doesn't work the first time, is being flexible within that motor plan and changing it. And that is the kicker for a lot of kids. Um, usually they can figure out one, two, and three, but that fourth piece, whew, that could be a, a big one. So our ADHD kids think they can't, I mean, um, it's hard to focus, obviously, and they're hyperactive. And so now a, step A, B, and C worked, but C then tripped up or something like that, and they can't figure out that problem again because they're stuck on that same thing. So sometimes it's frustration tolerance too. So you guys are working with them more on like complex motor planning, problem solving. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Which then improves their balance and coordination and stuff like that. Because gotcha. you can't coordinate your body if you can't really motor plan. Gotcha. Andrea, your brain is so big. I know. What? Your brain is so big. <laughs> You're brilliant. Great, thanks. You're brilliant, sis. <laughs> I don't, I, I just think this, thank you. I don't know, it seems. It's just incredible. I mean, Pete's PT. Yeah, but it's just, it's so, it's so much more than that. You're, you're talking about like, where mind and body meets almost. That's what I hope I am. My, I became a PT because I, and especially in Pete's, um, because I like to um, build confidence and movement. And I grew up as a dancer and I can remember so many people telling me, wow, you're so confident. And I, I don't think, I think it was honestly how I walked, yeah. which was very ballet-esque because I had that training. Um, and then, but people telling me that over time did make me confident because right. it was a nice positive affirmation. <laughs> and so I, tried to that's that's like why it became 
a, P, a PEDS PT is because I want them to be confident in their movement. So I use a lot of positive affirmation as well as they're moving. I have the triple Bs for my girls. They're brave, beautiful, and bold. And they like rock it out. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I think the thing is that is like blow, what's blowing Chelsea in my mind here is that like you're so casually chatting about things that plague parents for years. And it's just like, oh, yeah, no, we can fix that. Oh, yeah, we can we can take care of that. That's fine. Like, that's not a big deal. And I'm just sitting here thinking, like, that's a huge freaking deal. Because <laughs> as a parent of a child with ADHD, at least one, potentially two, and it's like you get bounced around from here's some meds and here's counseling and, you know, there's this gimmicky thing and that gimmicky thing. And you're just so desperate to make life easier for your kiddo because you know that, like, they are trying their hardest, you know? Yeah, they when are. When you finally really like are. recognize, that was one of the biggest downfalls with one of my kiddos was that we didn't know that that's what was going on. We just thought he wasn't trying hard, you know? Just like, oh, keep your feet to yourself. It's not that hard to keep your feet to yourself, you know? And this was, you know, pre my transition as a parent back when I was much more of an authoritarian parent and it was like my way or the highway and you know just do what you're told it's not that hard because it would be easy for me therefore it should be easy for you and you know it led to a lot of a lot of issues that we have since been reparenting in order for him to thrive better um <clears throat> but there are still things that it's like you know he is just now getting to the point where it's like oh my gosh like you got all your homework done like i didn't have to ask you to, like i didn't get a call from the school i didn't get an email from your teacher like you just like have it done he was like yeah and i'm like how did that happen what 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 was different he was like i have no idea i have no idea what's different i don't know why i can do this now and i couldn't do this earlier this year or even two months ago or three months ago and it's just like okay well I would love to be able to support you in this. And I would have loved to have saved you years, years of hardship. And like, you're just like casually like, yeah, that's fine. Like we can get rid of that. That's fine. It's not a problem. Like that's what we are in awe of. <laughs> <laughs> well, first off, congrats on the homework. That's huge. Yeah, thank you. That's awesome. And number two, it's a journey. It's a journey. He wouldn't have been able to do that homework without the journey. So, like, he has to learn things. You had to learn things. It's totally fine. Really, he's going to be incredible. Yeah. So, well, there was, yeah. I know, and yeah, because he has a history of, um, like, he went for a period there where he was having, like, panic attacks that were pretty much school induced. <clears throat> yeah. So, that's strong. Yeah. Stored in your biology. Yeah. Yeah. So, we had to, like, sit there, and he was, like, freaking out about having this this assignment wasn't finished and then he was going to get this signature for his homework that was going to take away from his opportunity to earn the incentive that they had or whatever the case was. And he was just like, Oh my gosh, like the whole world was exploding. And I was like, we had to like talk him down. I was like, okay, first of all, why are they going to make, like, why are they going to make you get like a signature? And he was like, because my parents have to know that I didn't complete the assignment. And I go, okay. And who's the one telling you not to complete the assignment and to go to bed instead? Who's doing that? He's like, you. And I'm like, and what role do I play in your life? He's like, you're my parent. I'm like, okay, so are you going to get in trouble by getting sent home a form that I have to sign saying that you didn't do your homework? He was like, well, no. And I go, exactly. So it's like, we were able to kind of like walk through it. And then we kind of had to go back to the fact of like, hey, listen, where do we think this came from? And he's like, well, I have no idea. I was like, well, I think I might have an idea because I was an adult when this was happening and you were a little kid and you probably don't remember. And I had to kind of like walk him through how I treated him when he was in kindergarten, getting these notes home of like, they used to like rank order how they did that day. So it was like, they would have these colors and they would start off in the middle and you could go up or you could go down. And he went down every day, you know? Yeah. And so they would send him. I hear that all the yeah, time. Yeah. It's just for neurotypical kids, I think it's probably fine. But for kids that struggle with a little bit, I think it's it's pretty detrimental. Um, but anyway, so he would get sent home with these red notes, orange notes every single day. And I would just get so mad about it. And I had to sit down with him and I would have to tell him like, hey, listen, these are the things that I would say to you. And 
does this seem fair to you that a parent would speak to you like that? And I would tell him, and he was like, oh, that's not, that's not okay. And I go, no, it is not okay. It is not okay that I spoke to you like that. It was not okay that I didn't trust that you were working your hardest. It was not okay that I blamed you for this behavior. Like none of that is okay. And that is why I think you are having a panic attack now about having to tell me that you did not get this homework assignment done. And so he was able to kind of recognize that. And so now he really doesn't have panic attacks anymore because once he starts getting escalated, we can just kind of pause him. Where's this coming from? And he was like, you're right. That's not how it is anymore. You're not going to be upset with me. And I'm like, exactly. Like it is 10 o'clock at night. You are going to make no more progress on this. The only benefit or the only, not even benefit, the only thing that's going to occur here is you're going to have less sleep before you go to school tomorrow. That's, that's not going to do anybody any good. Get some sleep now. If you wake up with a ton of energy in the morning, you're welcome to circle back to this and finish it then. And so it has definitely gotten better. But yeah, like if we could have just been like hopped on down the road to your clinic and like saved us <laughs> four years of trauma, probably right. would have. <laughs> really though, I have so many clients. Like, first of all, I myself am neurospicy. And I have so many clients who either are neurodivergent themselves or their children are. And they have been, you know, going through that journey with their kids. And so I actually do wonder if you have any like overarching theme or like biggest takeaway that you give advice to parents about when they are not like when they're linear thinkers and they're parenting someone who is neurodivergent. Yeah. Um, so I, I see a lot of, a lot of my parents are the same way as their kids, which is great. Um, what I always like to say is what was, what was fun for you and how did, what were like, how'd you figure out your coping techniques? And so we call them nervous system games. And I have to give props to Lauren Mason, Mary Anderson, Johanna McGough-Post, um, PT and OTs, um, as well as the rest of my clinic. There's plenty of people I can name. But they, we all have come up with these games where essentially just think of tag, simple. So fight, flight, freeze, fawn, and appease. Um, those are your sympathetic responses. And so that's what you're going to hit when you have stress in your life you either want to run away from it you want to freeze you want so like you're frozen um you want to just be like yes and so sometimes that's the hardest one to figure out it's like the yes yes mom you know like they're just kind of like a robot saying yes to everything and doing exactly what you want um you want opinions are good i always say that opinions are good um and so basically what comes down to that is whatever your kid is demonstrating you want them to go through the movement patterns so um and so i say look at puppies <laughs> what do they like to do they like the rough and tumble play they have their brain stem this is stemming essentially from your brain stem um and so the rough and tumble play they like to play hide and seek they like to play tag um, if you can play those games more throughout your day um, and with your kid um, when they're not in a sense of stress or anxiety, their threshold is gonna build over time. Um, so then when they get into, and then they practice getting excited and coming out of it, coming, getting excited and coming out of it. So they practice this nice wave, and then that threshold goes bigger, and then they control their body better in those stressful situations. So exactly what you're saying is that when, it, when he was having those panic attacks after getting his homework, you were able to actually kind of play with his regulations and be like, oh, we can't, we're coming up. Oh, remember where did it come from? Okay, we're gonna bring you back down. Okay, actually I'm fine. And it's totally normal to have these up and downs through the day. It's if we just um, flip our lid, which is a, a term. Um, I think it's Dan Siegel, flip our lid. Um, he, that's when there's like them fire in your brain and you can't really figure out what's going on. Wow. So just just be a puppy. Just be a puppy. <laughs> That's what it comes down to. <laughs> I love that. Games. That's the takeaway. And like figure, yeah. So 
So, um, yeah, just think of games that excite you and then you come off. And we, and that's what I was saying, um, all my wonderful coworkers, um, we've come up with really fun games like that. So that's incredible. Interview them for the games. I'll let them explain those. I love it. Cause that is, they do that. I go home. <laughs> Hi parents. Hi parents. That's my game. <laughs> that's incredible genuinely so. like because I can tell you that not one of my clients would be like yeah you know my kid might have ADHD and I've noticed that because of their balance or their coordination or like even making that connection and that's so huge and so important and it's like sitting here listening to you talk about children with these you know neurodivergencies and then being an adult version of that I can see all of the ways within my own story that this has manifested and like I just feel like you gave me a look behind the curtain of my own brain it's just incredible cool you're welcome I'm glad yeah I'm definitely going to use that because Chelsea and I always joke about how like I'm like a magnet for people with ADHD. Like I just, a lot of my patients have ADHD and a lot of my friends have ADHD and my husband has ADHD. And so it's just like, I'm surrounded by neurodivergency. So I'm like the weirdo who's like the linear thinker where I'm like, why, how, how are we still not in the car to leave? How are we still, what other projects do we need to complete before we get to the car? Because all you were supposed to do was grab your shoes and your keys and your phone and we're still in the house and we've been in and out like 15 times, right? But then like every time my husband was like, oh, I did this. I was like, oh no, that did need to get done. And he'd be like, oh, I did this. I was like, oh yeah, no, that's helpful too. So it's like, I'm super grateful for like the complexities of the brains of the people around me. Um, but I feel like Chelsea and I always joke how it's like, um she's like a, a toddler in an amusement park and I'm like the parent holding on to them with like the little backpack harness and she's just like running from one yeah. thing to the next because it's like you know if it weren't for me she's not gonna get where she's trying to go like she's gonna get distracted right. by everything but if it weren't for her I would never be in the park so exactly. she, she's the one That's who sends really, me I like that into the fun stuff That's why we need all of it we need mm -hmm. all types absolutely that is takes yeah. teamwork to Came make the dream that. work. That's awesome. <laughs> it sure does. So how have you utilized these techniques in like your own parenting style? Cause like you got, you said a two and a half year old. Yeah. Today. Let's talk about today. <laughs> oh yeah. With the, the skin knee, the poor skin. Knee. <laughs> skin knee. <laughs> the skin knee of 2023. So, yeah. Oh man. This is going to go down in history. So um, so Minnesota, let's first off, Minnesota weather. Last week, I'm pretty sure we had a snowstorm. I don't really know anymore. It just seems so frequent. This week, it's 85. Um, we have like a f potential like wind warning because of, for like potential fire, wildfire. So um, <laughs> only reason I know that is because I wanted to have a bonfire tonight. So we're not having a bonfire. And then on Sunday, I think we have potential of snow again. So anyways, we're loving the 85 degree weather. We went outside to go for a walk. He's wearing shorts and his new sandals. Of course, his sandals are a little too big because it's the beginning of the season. And boom, he is, eats it right after like 20 steps of running and it's blood. It is kind of gushy, but it's not terrible. Um, and it is everything. And I know Chelsea wants to talk about this at some point. I am postpartum and my daughter is four months old. And so we're getting into the phase of she's not leaving. So we've had a lot of big emotions lately and we just want mommy all the time. So we're a mile and a half out into this walk and I am now carrying my 33 pound child and pushing the stroller back to the car. He then keeps crying, keeps crying, keeps crying. Um, so things that I implement is one, when he's crying, just let it happen. Emotion, like I said, opinions are good, emotions are good. Naming to taming, 
Um, obviously wasn't helping in this situation, but I like name to tame. Um, also, I like just to be quiet and not just allowing it to happen. Um, when we do go into a sympathetic state and our lid is flipped, our Broca's area, so the area of um, communication and comprehension shuts down, like it's, there's less firing to it. Um, so I knew anything I would say didn't really matter or just make him more mad. I tell parents never to use the word calm because when you're mad when you, and someone tells you to calm down, it's the last thing you want to do. <laughs> so, um, so, so that's what I did, but he just kept crying and crying and crying. And so I, you know, make sure everyone's safe and everything like that. Um, and usually I try to like switch him out. And so if I was at home, I would usually have some sort of like Play-Doh or something where I can um, switch which side of brain he's using and do more creative um, activity um, to then bring us back into our body. Uh, but we were at home and so we were looking at nature and I was just actually switching him on how I was carrying him so he would look at something different. And eventually in the Mississippi River, there was a tree, a tree just floating around. It's huge, a huge tree. And that caught his, <laughs> caught his attention and kept him from not crying for about 10 minutes. So we got to the car and we started driving home. And once we got home, he started crying some more. Um, I think he was also scared of the Band-Aid. Um, he thought it would hurt, even though he really likes Band-Aids for other people. So we'll have to work through that one too. But long story short <laughs> is that there's a lot of techniques that I tell my parents, and I'm not 100% on all of them myself because I'm human as well. So we just did a lot of snuggles. Well, that's really cool because I actually hadn't thought about switching the sides of the brain, like bring in the creative side. That's really interesting technique. Yeah, it's um, it's actually one of our friends who, um, one of the, so Jen Lundy, she's an OT. She she's the one she found some research on switching the side of the brain, and then um, one of our other OTs, um, she has gone through a lot herself and says, yeah, that's like the best things that's ever helped me. Um, and so, uh, so that's what I try to try to do. And you don't talk about doing it. You're not like, let's go play Play-Doh. The Play-Doh's out. Like, even if it's in this situation, go throw some Play-Doh out on the table and you just go start playing with it. And then the kiddo will either come join you or if they just really need a big hug, just walk over to the table and start playing it yourself. Don't say that we're going to play Play-Doh. Just do it. Or if like you're outside and you have a water bottle and some rocks and you're not carrying them a mile and a half back to the car, like rocks can make some nice paint if you put the water with it. And so um, it's just switching the idea. That's really smart. I would have never thought that before. But it makes sense because it's like, when our daughter kind of goes into meltdown mode, it's like that random question that we can ask that she's like, oh yeah, actually. So it's like, she's upset about, you know, she lost her Easter candy. That's been the recent meltdown. Oh no. And <laughs> she thinks the dog ate it. So now Emma's getting blamed for eating an entire bag of candy. And we kept telling her like, hey, we don't know that Emma ate this candy because we can't find the Ziploc bag, it would have been, and she wouldn't have eaten the Ziploc bag. She'll eat the stuff out of the bag, but she won't eat the bag. Mm -hmm. So Ari is convinced that it's the dog ate the candy. And so she's just devastated. She's just sobbing. It's not fair. It's not fair. And I was like, I know, I'm sorry that you feel that way. I'm sorry that you're feeling so upset right now. Sorry, we can't find your candy. Um, and I was like, hey, what special did you have today at school? And she was like, what? And I was like, what, what special did you have at school today? And she's like, we had art. I was like, oh, do you like art? She's like, yeah, I'm painting a this or that. And, I, and it's just like immediate stop. And I was like, yeah. magic. But I like, I didn't know what I was doing, but now I have a little bit more guidance as to like, okay, let's talk about something creative or let's try something creative or something that is literally anything different than thinking about candy right now. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Distraction is so great. It is. It is. I love it. <clears throat> 
I feel like we're going to have to have you back for another episode to talk more about your experience within your own journey of being a parent and your approach on life and the work that you do oh, great. and energy and all the things because this has been incredible and I don't know that I've been as blown away and speechless at the same time as like ever. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> I've never had that nice of a compliment about my work. So thank you. <laughs> no, I think what you're doing is I, I think you're underselling. It's a big deal. Like parents would give anything to know that like, number one, like it's not, it's not their fault. Like their child's not broken and it's not their fault. It was like, Hey, stuff happens in life. They're holding on to it just like you do. And we just haven't found a way to get rid of it yet, which is why they're still dealing with the symptoms. Let's try this new thing. Let's try some movement. And lo and behold, that works. And the fact that they can actually get better and can like have an actionable plan, you know, and that the parents can be part of the process and not have it be a burden and not have to go to 5,000 different appointments and be doing this for years and years and years and years and years. And just feeling like, Oh, this is something's gonna. This is something that's gonna burden my child the rest of their life. Like, what you guys are doing over there is incredible. So, my last question for you, and Chelsea might have more after this, but my last question is: Let's say somebody's listening to this and they're like, "Okay, I, I definitely am understanding kind of what she's saying. I'm interested in this kind of stuff. What is like one actionable step one of the parents could take today?" to kind of move them in this direction of finding more, more joy, more play, more authenticity in themselves. What's one actionable step they could take? So I have all my, my people I love to read and listen to and um, everything like that. So I would highly recommend looking at Brene Brown and doing her core values and picking your top two. So Chelsea and I met each other through um, Dr. Julie Granger and her work, and that's one thing she had us do. And I think that's super powerful, is just figure out, what are your core values? You only get two, no more than that. I remember having to do that, and I think I circled 37. <laughs> and I was like, this is all important. And she's like, you get two. And I was like, oh my gosh. And it took me forever. And I have finally settled on my two. And it, is, it has been, it's really great with setting boundaries. Because it's like, okay, does this, you know, feed my things here or, you know, so are you, are you open to sharing your two values? You want to keep that private? Oh, yeah. I'm, um, my, in our authenticity and simplicity. Ooh, I like So that. authentic and then simple. Yeah. So my goal in life is just to keep it simple and have fun. And then I like to be my true self. So I like that. Mine are truth and love. If it is not, if I'm not being honest or this is not something that is, you know, a truthful moment or whatever, I'm not interested and it has to be done out of love. Those are the two that I've settled on. Chels? Love and joy. Oh, that's a good one too. I can see that. Yeah. We always joke that Matt is the joy and that I'm the love and that Vienna is the joy and that Izzy's the love, like it's just so perfect because they're like, Frisbee? Fun? What? I wanna have fun. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, Andrea, is there anything else that you would like to share today before we let you go? Because this has been phenomenal and I'm like just gonna go ahead and get on realtor.com and buy a house in Minnesota so I can come <laughs> hang out with you. <laughs> Well, I just want to say thank you so much for having me. Um, thanks for making me feel so great about myself, too. Um, and I just have to shout out to all my mentors that have led me to being where I am today because I learned a lot from every single person I've learned from, which is many, many people. So thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening today. Um, if you are listening to this and you are thinking like, I know that I could do better. I know I want to be better for my kids. Check out Andrea's stuff, find your own joy and, and really kind of share this information with people so that we can all continue to 
elevate and get well and just make a community of happy, healthy people that are helping our generation of children grow up to be happy, healthy people as well. So I hope you all have a wonderful week and we will listen and see you next time. Thanks for sticking around for another thought-provoking episode. Be sure to check out the show notes below for more information about children's theraplay and for links to where you can find Dr. Andrea Madison, as well as Allison and Chelsea, and a special invitation to join our online community, open to all that are looking to become more in touch with their most authentic, most playful, most elevated selves. Until next time, love and light.